Hey everyone, welcome to In The Hive with Michelle B. I love talking niches, personal branding, social media, and influencer marketing in our real estate business. I am an active realtor, just like you are. I'm with Real Broker LLC in beautiful Boca Raton, Florida. And I'm also the founder and editor of Hashtag So Boca Lifestyle, which is a niche brand I started in 2017. If you want to build your business up, then you will want to consider learning how to niche down. And we talk about this all the time on my podcast, on Instagram, on TikTok, and on YouTube. So make sure to follow me at the Michelle B on Instagram and TikTok. And if you would like to subscribe to my website, sipsocialcell.com, I have some really good blog posts over there. And I also post the events that I'm going to be speaking at and webinars that I'm going to be involved in. So if you're ready for today's episode, let's get started. For those who are watching live, watching on the replay, uh, we have a group called the No Agent Left Behind Mastermind Group Real Estate Reinvention. And we do a mastermind call every Monday at 10 a.m. Broker agnostic, anybody from any uh, brokerage can join us. Twice a month, we have guests. Twice a month, we just kind of round robin mastermind. Um, We've had some great guests so far since we started this. I'm with my friend, Eric Larkin. Who's Good morning, in everybody. Um, our other uh, compadre, uh, Amy Burroughs, is doing Halloween at school today. And I, I'm hoping Ramsey Stewart will jump on. But you get at least two of us every week. And um, we, uh, we talk all things real estate that are relevant uh, we may have met through Clubhouse. I do a Clubhouse room Tuesdays and Thursdays, typically called Coffee and Real Estate. You can jump on at 8 a.m. You don't need to have makeup or hair done, which I love that about Clubhouse. And this group is all about masterminding, uh, sharing ideas. Um, you know, if you have questions about what you want to do in your business, we try to talk about a lot of different, um, a lot of different things. And so, um, you know, if you have something, drop it in the Facebook group because we won't be able to see it. Uh, well, we might be able to see it here in the chat, actually. Yeah, if you drop it on the chat, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up. Okay. And then I'll be looking at the Facebook group. So today we thought it'd be super timely to talk about mortgages and, um, I feel like Halloween's the perfect time because everybody's in a fearful mode in our industry. I think we need to reclaim ourselves and go opportunities are around us in any market for newer agents that have never experienced a dip. This is very normal where we have dips in the market. We have changes through the economy. Um, different things happen. Natural disasters happen, like in Naples and Fort Myers. Parts of those areas are going to be very impacted uh, because of what happened with Hurricane Ian. And we have to think ahead and how to help our buyers and our sellers, right? So uh, Frank Cristiano is with um, Cross Country Mortgage, and he's going to be sharing with us um, a temperature of the market. Uh, what's going on with the Fed rates, how to be creative, and cross country is a very creative outfit. And um, off and running we go, Frank. I'm just going to let you introduce yourself. We're very casual here 
And yes, occasionally people will swear. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry ahead of time. <laughs> well, listen, for, first and foremost, a couple things. Michelle, as always, thank you so much for allowing me to uh, speak in front of your amazing audience. And um, as far as the swearing goes, I mean, I hear it all day. I mean, I, we're, I'm in the mortgage business and I have two kids. So right? and, they, and they both play sports. So believe me when I tell you swearing is not something that I'm new to. So um, can everyone hear me? OK, if not, please just let me know. Um, I do apologize for the video, uh, for whatever reason, I was having some trouble getting on this morning. But um, nonetheless, here we are today. Right. So, Michelle, you bring up a very good point. I mean, it, it's it's, <clears throat> you know, in, in light of Halloween, which is always fun for everyone. Right. Of all ages, children, adults, um, even in the office here, we've got some people that dressed up, which is cool. It, it's clearly a fearful time. Right. I mean, I think that what's happening is everyone can get easily caught up in what's going on in terms of the market, right? So about six weeks ago, six to eight weeks ago, we started seeing a tremendous increase in interest rates. And, you know, like everything else in life, unfortunately, it happens very quick. Like we weren't given any real notice. It wasn't like, hey, by the way, you know, it's April and in June, July, and August, you're going to slowly start to see a slight uptick in interest rates, right? It, it just happened. I mean, for at least for, for the majority of us, right? It happened relatively quickly. Like we had no idea this was coming, right? Um, I mean, we, we, not that we didn't have any idea. I mean, we knew that the market couldn't remain where it was forever because those rates were very, very low. Um, and a lot of it had to do with, unfortunately, um, you know, there, there was a pandemic, right? Um, rates came down. And people took advantage, whether it be through buying, uh, selling and buying, you know, upgrading a house, you know, maybe uh, refinancing. Um, and even myself, I mean, I, I was able to purchase in July of 2019. And then I turned around, I mean, not even eight months later, and I was able to refinance it. And uh, my rate has never, you know, has never been this low, right? And, and I've owned many homes. So where am I getting at, right? Um, to, to most of us who have been in the, the mortgage or real estate industry or own, or we, if we've owned homes in the past, sixes and sevens really isn't the end of the world in terms of an interest rate. Like I, I bought my first house back in 2004, and I remember I, I got a, a rate of 6.99. It, it was interest only. Um, it was a five-year arm. But at the time, I was ecstatic. I mean, people were like, wow, to buy a house with as little down as I did and, and, and to get a rate at 6.99, um, you know, I was very happy and I was told, hey, listen, you did the right thing. You got, you got a great deal, right? Um, I see Eric, our rate was six, six and three eights. Yeah. So for us, I mean, look, it's, it's sixes and sevens isn't enough to scare us away from, from buying a home, right? Um, I, I think really where we're going to see the majority of the population kind of take a step back and say, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, either wait or I'm going to see where the market goes, you know, the, the millennials, right? And, and not to pick on the younger people, right? Because we love them. But they seem to think that rates in the twos and threes and fours, you know, that that was supposed to continue forever. And if you're buying a home, if you're owning real estate, you shouldn't be paying a rate in the sixes or the sevens, right? Now, granted, if there were any more rate hikes, you know, in, in the eights and nines, I mean, then yes, I, I do agree at that point, you know, maybe it's a little, uh, a little scary, but I mean, if we hover around the sixes and sevens and there, there's been some speculation that after the, the, the midterms and the end of the first quarter, 
there could be some pullback. We could see some some high fives, maybe even low fives. I mean, I, I heard a gentleman named Barry Habib speak, and you, you can Google him. Um, it's Barry, and his last name is Habib. It's H-A-B-I-B. Um, he, um, thank you, Michelle. He is fantastic. I've listened to him quite a few times, and he even said, you know, he might see rates in the high fours by the end of the first quarter, right? So where am I getting at, right? Do I think it's a good time to buy a house? Absolutely. And why do I say that? Well, you just want people to buy houses so you can make money. Well, of course. But with that being said, let's remember one thing. Someone said to me a couple of days ago, hey, I'm thinking about waiting until the market pulls back and rates go back into the high fours and fives. And what do you think? And I said, well, quite honestly, um, I'm going to give you my, my, my honest opinion, right? Have you ever stepped on an ant pile? And he said to me, what do you mean by that? I said, when you step on an ant pile, thousands of ants, you know, come out of it, right? If the market pulls back and we end up back into the high fours and low fives, well, don't you think there's going to be thousands of other people who have the same mindset that you do and are thinking the same thing? They're going to jump back into the market with you. So what does that do? Well, now you're competing for that same house, but you're competing it, you know, you're competing with now 15 other buyers that are doing the same thing you are. So my advice to anyone who wants to wait, I'm not saying I, I you know, there could be a scenario where maybe somebody should wait. You know, I'm not saying everybody should be buying right now. Everybody's everybody's scenarios are different. However, with that being said, um, me personally, if I'm in the market to buy. I'd rather buy where there's less competition. There's the ability to close in 20 or 30 days and I'd have to do a 10 day closing and no inspection and waiving appraisal and, and all that other crazy stuff that was going on, right? You can close a normal purchase real estate transaction, 20 or 30 or 45 days. You can do your inspection. You can do your appraisal. You can actually negotiate a price. Sellers are now giving seller concessions because the market is a little different than it was a couple of months ago, right? So with that being said, buy now, let's leverage where the market is. If the house is on the market three, four, five, six weeks, let's ask for a seller concession, right? Let's find out. What is your net bottom line? Michelle may say, well, you know what? My house is on the market for 750. My sellers will not go above, seven, uh, will not go below 725. Great. So now we know 725 is our net bottom line. Well, let's go back to 740. Let's take 15,000. Let's buy a rate down to high fives or low sixes, right? Now we've got a more affordable rate and payment, right? And at that point, when the market does eventually correct, we can refinance it, right? Because at least then, right, you're not having to compete with 15 other buyers if the market does drop and rates go back into the high fours. Does that make sense? Right. So regarding the yeah. seller credits, now, Michelle, the seller credits are huge, huge. Um, here's here's what I'm seeing more of. Right. I'm seeing more people who I, I will tell you. Right. And I'm, and I'm not just you know, I'm not saying this. Um, there, there are still people in the market to buy. Make no mistake about it. There are people who are actively shopping to purchase a home. Right. If you find that house that you absolutely love, but that payment's a little bit higher than you wanted to, you know, where your, your level of comfort is, right? Um, if we know, like I said, if we know what that seller's net bottom line is, 
and we think the property will appraise because we are seeing appraisals still coming in relatively close to where the, the contract price is, right? If we know that the property can appraise and we know that seller's net bottom line is a little less than what it's currently listed for, let's take that difference. Let's leverage that, buy down the rate, right? We have a program right now where you can do, it's called a three, two, one buy down. 3% less the first year, 2% less the second year, 1% less the third year. So for example, if rates today are at seven and we do a three, two, one buy down, the seller has to pay that. The buyer cannot pay it. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac will not allow it. So if the seller is willing to give you $20,000 back on a sale price of $750 because they want $730, right? Now we take that $20,000, we simply shift that money to the buy down. So now year one, your rate's 4%. Year two, your rate's 5%. Year three, your rate's 6%. And then from year four through the remainder of that term, it's back to 7%. Well, somebody may say, well, where does that, you know, what's that going to do for me? It only buys me time. Well, I mean, I know for myself, I mean, my kids are a little younger, but let's just say I had kids that were in private school or college, and I know they're coming off the payroll in a couple of years, right? Well, if I'm 4% the first year, well, that helps me. Five the second. Well, then by year four, if I'm back to 7%, well, I may have just lost X amount of monthly expenses that came off my payroll. So it may not be the worst thing in the world being at 7%. And in addition to that, there still may be an opportunity in that time period between year one and year four to where you can refinance it, right? So there's a lot of different things you can do. But if you wait, again, I use the antpile analogy, you're just waiting. And then if the market does, if rates do pull back and we end up in the high fours or low fives, well, that's great. Well, now there's just that many more people that are in the market competing for that same house that you are. That makes sense, Michelle? You're on mute. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so, fantastic. So I think that's the big thing, right? I think if you're a, a listing agent, right, we have a couple things that we can do. Number one, we can do a pre-appraisal. And basically what that's going to do is it's going to allow you to determine what that value is prior to the property going on the market. So that way you can say, Mr. Seller, I'm your listing agent, your property appraised at $600,000. Now, after a couple of days or a couple of weeks, if we're not seeing any activity and Mr. and Mrs. Seller say, look, we have it on the market for six, it's worth six. You know, we'll take our net bottom line is, I don't know, fake number, 570, 575. We just want to sell this house, right? Well, maybe we drop it to 590. We get a full price at 590. Um, and then, you know, we can credit back that, that difference there to buy the rate down. And we have specific language that you can put in your listing description that will say, and I can email this to everyone, Michelle, um, this particular property qualifies for a seller credit of X dollar amount. Um, and then we can market the three, two, one buy down because the, the thing is this, right? We've got to be able to entice these buyers, right? We've got to be able to, um, you know, entice them is really what it is into making an offer because if they just, if, if the houses, if we don't do that, houses remain on the market, buyers just kind of poke around, but don't make any, you know, they don't make offers. And the, and the market just remains completely stagnant. 
So I think that's that's a good one. I like to send the team, right, whoever, whoever's on the call, the pre-appraisal um, marketing flyer, the three two one marketing flyer. We've got a two one where it's two percent less the first year, one percent less the second year, and then whatever that rate would be, uh, you know, from year three on. Um, definitely some different things that we can do in terms of getting the buyer engaged and getting them, um, you know, un- to understand that there is a way they can purchase this house and keep that payment at an affordable number. So hey, we Frank, have a question. Terry's, yeah, yeah, Terry's got a question. Sorry sure. about that. Go ahead, Terry. Hey, Frank. Um, so if you do the pre-appraisal, um, the new buyer can't use that appraisal, correct? Or if it's FHA, they can? So that's the thing. So the buyer, the, the buyer would have to would be able to as long as um, so if the, if if we do that appraisal, yes, they can use it. Um, if they use a different lender, unfortunately, they wouldn't be able to use it. That's a great question. Anyone else have questions for Frank? Hey, Matt. Hey, Ramsey, Knifey. What's going on? Hi. What's up, Matt? What's up? How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Frank, how you doing? Good, good. I like the office, man. You have any questions for me? And I, I think that the, the main thing, like I keep going back to, is that we've got to be able to educate, and it's up to me as well, right? It's up to the agent and the lender to educate the seller and the buyer that, hey, look, let's just get some, some, you know, let, let's just, let's get some dialogue going. Let's find out what the seller is cool with accepting. And then at that point, is there enough money built into that credit to where we can get that rate to an affordable payment for the buyer, right? It, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to be on our A game, all of us across the board in terms of being able to sell and, and, and educate and really convince buyers and sellers that, hey, this is not the market it was during COVID. It's gone and it's probably never coming back, quite honestly. <laughs> and the only reason it was where the only reason rates dropped that low and, and the market was where it was was because when you got rates in the twos and on a 15 year, you know, under two, you by default, you're gonna get a tremendous amount of activity. I don't care where you are. Yeah. You know? I I think I think uh, for the realtors on here, I think right now is a huge opportunity for agents to be running educational classes in their local markets, either if they're live or going live on Facebook or LinkedIn, uh, just like you would do home buying seminars back in the day. I think partnering up with a lender and getting that done is a super good tech. Absolutely. And and I think a lot of them, um, you know, they're not doing that, right? There are a lot of agents, I hate to say it, you know, that are just like, well, the market's it's quiet, so I'm just going to kind of sit sit tight until things pick up again. Well, I mean, if you don't create your own market, when it does eventually come full circle, um, the ones that are creating a market, you know, the Michelles, uh, the Eric's, the people on the call here, right, that, that want to learn more, they're going to be the ones that are going to benefit, you know, not the people just sitting back and waiting for things to, you know, come full circle to where they were the last 24 months, because that, in my opinion, is probably not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I I agree with you. I'm a big fan and advocate of creating your own listing inventory. 
Um, I'm a niche witch, <coughs> as you know. And so I focus on those niches that are not as hard hit by a recession or the economy or world events or whatever life, life niches, probate, seniors, divorce, they roll through any economy, um, going the road, a little less traveled, uh, being in control of the market. So if you've been a heavy buyer's agent, trust me when I tell you I've been there. And in 2012, I made a conscious decision to be a listing agent and attract my you know, buyers to my listings, right? I still work with buyers by referral, but that is not my stream, right? Um, but it still allows me to have a finger on the pulse, work with Frank, um, you know, stay in touch with what's going on so we can educate our sellers so that the expectation is set and the fear for the seller is not there. Uh, Sharon, I'm going to say this so wrong, Sharatsi. I'm totally killing it. Um, I think we all butcher his name. Butchered his name. But we know um, who Sharon is. Sharon, yeah. uh, follow him on Instagram. He was a speaker at our One Real conference. And he said the biggest thing is, um, you know, making sure that you take the, the fear away from the seller. What's next for the seller? So you keep them in the what's next so that they know what's going on. So there's no... Uh, awkward conversations about why their house is on the market for as long as it's on the market. Uh, you've got to go in and set those expectations that, listen, these things are going to happen right now. This is more of a normalizing market. And this is how we're going to leverage someone who is, you know, financing. That may mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, Frank, that we have to educate a buyer's agent and say, hey, listen, if this is what your lender's doing, is your lender thinking outside the box like Frank? Uh, do they have these programs? You know, you want to get the deal done for your seller highest and best, but also with the least amount of stress. And yeah. there are agents that have no clue on what to do right now. Yeah, I mean, I would say where I first um, saw this was picking up steam was about two months ago. Um, my neighbor in Boca here, she's also an agent. She referred a buyer to me. He was coming down from Wyoming <clears throat> and he was looking at houses in Wellington. So he was looking anywhere between somewhere in the nines, like a million one. He said he would go to a million one would be his, his the top end of its top end of his budget. So he ends up finding a house for um, a million and change. And he, they settle on a price of a million dollars. However, uh, we had pre-approved him three weeks prior to him and the seller finally coming to an agreement on the price. Well, the rate initially was somewhere in the high fours because he's a jumbo and it was an adjustable rate mortgage. It was a five-year arm. And when we got the contract, which again was about two or three weeks later, uh, the rate was almost a full point higher. Now, no fault of our own. He acknowledged that he's frank, nothing you can do here. Um, you know, we, we didn't come to an agreement for almost, you know, for, uh, up until today. Um, I think they, they went back and forth for about four or five days and finally settled on a million dollars even. So we said, look, I, I can't swing this. I'm within my inspection period. Um, I qualify for it, but I'm, I'm just not comfortable. So I'm going to have to cancel. And I said to him, I said, Tony, before we do that, I said, if I can get the seller to give you back money, and we can buy the rate down to where it was initially when we spoke three weeks ago, uh, would you be willing to do that? He said, well, explain that to me. I said, well, we agreed on a million dollars, which means the seller's cool with a million dollars. 
if we go to a million fifteen thousand, I can get you back down under five. And I think the rate was like four point seven or four point eight seven five, somewhere around there. He said, "Well, absolutely. Why wouldn't I do that? My payment goes down three hundred and thirty-seven dollars." I said, "Okay, perfect." So then I had to call his agent, explain that to his agent, who in turn said, "I get it, but do you mind explaining it and being able to articulate that to the listing agent because I don't want to butcher it. I don't want to. Can I curse? I don't want to fuck it up." <laughs> I said, "No problem." I said, "I will call the listing agent. You're more than welcome to be on the phone." Okay, great. P.S. We call the listing agent. And I explained to him, I said, this gentleman right now is within his inspection period. Um, you and I both know, right, um, that we kind of went back and forth for almost five days on finally agreeing to a number. I said, we pre-approved him almost three weeks ago and the rate's about a point higher and he's going to cancel this contract and he's going to, you know, he's going to be able to get his money back. And he's, you know, he's thinking to say, well, hold on a second. If he cancels this contract, now I got to put this house back in the market. That's at a million dollar price point, million dollar price point, not an easy sell when rates are continuing to spike every single day. So he went back to a seller. He goes, give me about, he goes, give me, a, you know, give me until the end of the day and I'll get right back to you. Let me find out. It wasn't even 20 minutes, 20 minutes. He called me and said, listen, we have a deal because at the, the end of the day, he knew if the buyer could cancel and get his money back, then he's got to put that house back on the market. And then run the risk of having to find a new buyer when rates just went up almost the full point in a matter of two weeks. So it was a no brainer, right? Now, then you ask yourself, well, what about the appraisal? Great question. It has to appraise. We got lucky here. It appraised at a million forty thousand. So he actually had twenty five thousand in equity. Um, that's a big one. If it doesn't appraise, then of course we kind of got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what what the seller would be willing to do. And at that point, there may not be a credit, right? But I know for me, if I'm a seller, I know in this market, if I really want to sell my home, whether it be to relocate, downsize, upgrade, um, I, I've got to be, a, I've got to bend a little bit. I've got to be a little bit flexible. Whereas three months ago, four months ago, it didn't matter. You didn't have to be, but it's a different world right now. You know what I mean? So I, I would say, you know, if you don't work with me, no problem. I get it. At least get your lender involved. If your lender is uninvolved, then you, you know, you're, you're going to have a very difficult time trying to articulate this to a, a listing agent who then has to send it, who has to articulate that to a seller who's already pissed off that they can't sell their house. It's now worth less than it was. And they may say, you know what, just cancel the listing. I'm going to move on. So a better if someone actually is speaking to that listing agent, it, it may even be worth getting the seller on the phone sometimes. So everyone is on the same page collectively. Well, that's how I just posted. Um, that's how Frank and I met. I had a listing um, in um, here in Boca. No, no, it was it was it, it, it was like over by the hospital, and it was you know what it was. It was the it was um, my friend Mr. Steve, who was the aftercare coordinator at Addison Meisner. Uh, when my kids were there all through high school, I think it was a three three four eight six zip code. If yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, I remember. And, yeah. Um, I was the listing agent and, but the buyer was a VA buyer and it was an, it was one of your agents from Wellington and she was fantastic. And, um, ironically, um, I, I hadn't done VA in a while, you know, and I think it was like 2016 or 17 or something like that. So I, I said to the, the uh, buyer's agent, I said, I I'd like to just have a conversation 
with the loan officer and, um, and Frank got on the phone and kindly sent me a few bullet points to share with Steve and, you know, to make them comfortable. And I, if, I, if I remember, this was a VA loan where they were actually putting money down. And that yes. was the first for me. Yes. And I remember I had to go to my broker and go, how do I write this up? You know, like, it was just like kind of interesting, but, but that's how Frank and I met was having a conversation. Then he articulated to me and then offered to get on the phone with the seller. And with that being said, this is a great segue because Knifey has her hand up and I know she just, you just got your mortgage broker's license as well as being a realtor in Tampa, right? Yeah, I did a couple of months ago, so I'm still learning the ropes. Learning. I know. I love Frank. I actually have Frank on my list. Um, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, awesome. He's wonderful. Yeah. Lifey, con- congratulations. Thank you. I get your text all the time. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. So cool. that's a good thing. Yeah, um, Michelle, here's what I would say. Send me everyone's information that's on the call. I apologize for not, you know, not having the video being able to uh, to get that to work. But I mean, I, I would think that what I'd like to do is at least just send everyone the marketing material. That way you have a better understanding of what it looks like. And we can actually. If you guys want to drop your, um, one looks like. drop your emails in here, guys, because I don't know if it captured it or not when you signed in. Well, let me, let me give my, my direct number. If everybody wants to text me their contact Perfect. information, that would be Thank great. You. So it's 561-504-1278. And Michelle, if you want to throw that in there, that'd be great. Done. And then if, if they want to text me, I can actually connect them with my marketing team. And they'll put together a co-branded flyer with all their information on there. It's really nice. All of the agents we have use them. They're great. Perfect. There we go. This is great. See, it's funny because, so just for perspective, the state of Florida is very large. Um, I just did another state of Florida with yellow highlighter on it to show people where I actually work. Um, so Knifey's on the West coast in Tampa and I'm in South Florida. Eric is to the North of me, about two hours in Cocoa beach. And so, you know, and here we are, Knifey knows who Frank is like, it's, it's kind of an, that's an interest. interesting. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm actually taking everyone's email. Okay. So yeah, if everyone could send me a, um, a text Frank with that- your email. And I'll send over those co-branded flyers and I'll, and I'll give you the instructions on how to get them set up. Very simple. And then we'll go from there. Did you have other questions though? Yeah. About the buy down. Quick question. Um, Because I'm here and thanks Frank for the three, two, one information. So on my my information for buyers, I am going to put that on there so it can kind of stand out because I'm hearing a lot of lenders um, speak about the two, one buy down. But is there a huge difference with the permanent buy down over the life of the loan? Is there a huge difference in like fees or things for that? Actually, that's actually a great question. So Mm -hmm. here's what I would say, right? There's two different ways to look at that, right? So the three, two, one buy down is really just a temporary. It's almost like a bandaid if you think about it, right? You're getting you're getting a three percent less uh, rate, three uh, percent less the first year, two percent, and then one percent, right? So, by year four, you're back at let's call it seven or seven and a quarter percent, and let's assume rates don't move. You really wouldn't have the ability to refinance unless there was a substantial drop in in, the, in interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, the permanent buy down 
where someone just says, hey, look, I'll give you fake number 600. Give me a credit for 10,000 and you buy it down to, let's just say, fake example, six and a quarter, right? Now, obviously, six and a quarter is higher than four and five. Um, but by year four, you'd be at six and a quarter. Whereas if you, if you did the three, two, one, it would be a higher rate for the remainder of the loan. So you're, the, the temporary buy down is great the first two or three years, but then by year four, you're going to be higher in, in, in terms of rate than you would be had you just done a, you know, just a, a traditional buy down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I personally think that there's no right or wrong answer. I think the, I think the three, two, one right now makes more sense because I do think there will be an opportunity to refinance in the next 24 to 36 months. I could be wrong. I mm-hmm. could be. If I, if I knew, if I had a crystal ball in front of me and I knew that rates are going to jump to 8%, and they're never going to go back below 7%. Well, then at that point, the, the traditional uh, te- uh, permanent buy-down would make more sense, assuming you're going to own the home for more than, let's say, four or five, six years, if it's a long-term play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you said to me, look, I'm selling this home in five years, well, then maybe the three, two, one makes sense because you're getting the lower rate for the first three years, and then you're just stuck with the higher rate for only two years, and you're selling the house anyway. Okay. Right. But if somebody's buying their forever home, um, it, it might make sense just to do a traditional buy down because, again, you're locked in at a specific rate for the entire 30 year term. Okay. All righty. Thank you, Frank. So, Frank, one of the things I want to also bring up um, obviously, some of us are in Florida, but not everybody on the call is, but this affects all of us homeowners insurance. How <laughs> can I hold on? I have to vomit right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, you need your, Florida, you need your yeah. crystal ball for that one too. Uh, yeah. Um, Florida has serious issues right now. They've had serious issues. I've been discussing this for months and months and months. months. Um, are you seeing a problem with loan approvals having an issue because the insurance now is so expensive? or they can't get insurance? What are you seeing? Well, it's probably more of a question for my, my transaction coordinator, Anthony, and I can, I can definitely circle back with you on that one. But I, I could tell you this, um, years ago, if I go back, let's say three years, yeah. right, we would use on average, let me think about this, let's say a $300,000 purchase, we'd probably use about 1% Maybe one and a half. Like three thousand to third yes. five hundred yep. a year. Yeah. So yeah. half a million. So let's say a half a million dollar home. We'd probably estimate, I would say five thousand dollars for the year. And and believe it or not, it, it was coming in a lot cheaper, right? Like yes. I know for me personally, my insurance when I bought my home was thirty nine hundred. I know now it's up to six thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So is it is it making it more challenging to you know, to get approvals, right. For, for the affordability, anytime you raise rates or anytime rates go up, I should say over 3% in a nine month period. And then on top of it, the, the cost of insurance goes up. I mean, the affordability issue is, is going to, is going to, is going to continue being your biggest challenge. Right. 
Um, there, there are companies out there that are still writing policies. I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're very high. They're very high. I mean, we have a gentleman that that's on our team. Um, I don't know if you know Mike Reed. I mean, he, he, uh, last week I go in his office, <coughs> he's insurance is that he said, it's mine. He goes, it went from, um, you know, 4,500 to almost 8,700. I mean, it's, 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 I it's really to my insurance broker last week. I gave her some breathing room because with everything going on with, uh, hurricane Ian, and I said, uh, can you give me a heads up on what, what, where, what we should be expecting? She goes, I don't have an answer yet. She's very good. Um, she says, as a matter of fact, um, a lot of the companies were not writing because of Ian. Um, and then she said that, um, I, you know, there, there were some things kind of happening at the state level. So I guess we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. I'm a little scared because. My original quote last year was almost close to 10,000 a year. Um, I'd love to say that I'm in a 5,000 square foot house, and but I'm not. My house is just, a, it's like 2,000 square feet with a metal roof that we put on in 2016. Like you would think that in itself would be huge. Well, we finally got it reshopped and it's under seven, but now I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen now? You know? Um so it leads me into the other piece of um, having conversations with buyers, which this is how I, I did this with first-time home buyers, and I still do it to this day, um, is finding out how much my buyers are comfortable with monthly. And this is a reminder to seasoned agents along with newer agents is that it's great that someone has a pre-approval, but if they're not comfortable with that price point, uh, on what their monthly PITI is going to be, I go back to the lender and say, can you back in? They're more comfortable at 2,700 a month all in versus 3,200 or 3,500. So I had someone recently say okay. that her payment that she was pre-approved for two months ago was, you know, X, Y, Z, but because of the, the rate hikes, now it's here. We've had to lower her purchase price to accommodate what she actually is comfortable with paying every month. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say, um, not, not sure if you were asking me, Michelle, but I, I would say the way our team does, you know, the way we back into that price, right. That price range for the buyer yeah. is always very simple. A um, couple of questions, you know, number one, how much do you have allocated for the uh, down payment and closing costs, right? And let's say they say we've got $30,000. We just got recently married. We've got $30,000, right? Okay. Um, and let's say, and the next question would be, okay, well, terrific. Are you currently renting? Where do you live with family? We're currently renting. We're paying 2500 $2, a month. Okay, well, terrific. <laughs> um, in yeah. terms of your monthly payment, um, is there a specific number that we are trying, that we are aiming for, you know, where, where is your monthly payment threshold, right? If they say, well, we don't want to be anything above 28, you know, we're renting at 25. We'll, we'll, we want to go to 28 and that's our absolute max. Well, then in our head, we know, right. Um, $400,000, uh, less $30,000 for down payment, which is, you know, barely 10%, but that's fine. Right. We know that that's probably going to put them anywhere between twenty-seven and three thousand dollars a month, uh, give or take, depending on taxes and insurance. 
right? And if there's an association fee. But what I, what I will say is I, I've had agents ask me, they've called me before, the newer ones. And, and, I, and listen, I love, you know, any, anytime an agent wants to make our life easier, we love it. However, what ends up happening is they'll call us and say, hey, I'm, I'm showing a buyer um, some houses this weekend. Is there any kind of um, app or any kind of, uh, you know, calculator I can use? Because they don't want to be above 2800 a month, right? And they haven't gotten pre-approved yet. And I don't want to scare them away. It's a very difficult answer because, number one, rates are changing every day, as we know. Number two, they don't know the buyer's credit score. And the, and the rate is based on loan to value and credit score. If they don't have 20%, the PMI is based on loan to value and credit score. So you don't know what that PMI is going to cost. So a, a newer agent could be showing a buyer a house for 400 because they think the buyer, because the buyer tells them they don't want to pay more than, you know, 23 or 2400 a month. And that buyer's got a 660 credit score and only 5% down. And the interest rate's seven and a half and the PMI is, let's say, 450 a month if it's conventional, right? And they may be showing them a house thinking that payment is going to equate to 23 or 2400. But then when it makes its way to us, it's closer to 3200 and they just wasted their entire afternoon. So again, I don't mind. We love it when an agent wants to make life easier for us, right? But an effort to make life easier for themselves, and then of course, ultimately us, because once we hit them with the real payment, the buyer, they're going to, exactly, Terry, yeah. <laughs> you, you want to get them pre-approved up front, and then at that point, we can kind of narrow it down to number one, price range, uh, single family, townhome, condo. Um, you know, you don't want to show them condos if they're FHA buyers, are there condos out there FHA approved? There may be a few. It's literally probably less than 1%. I would suggest that everybody check the list on HUD to see what condos are pre-approved. Won't, won't take you very long. FHA, right? <laughs> huh? It won't take you long. No, a lot of them let their certificates expire over the years. Correct. And, um, and trust me when I tell you, agents put in the wrong information all the time. Time. If you see on a condo that it's also got FHA and VA, you please, please, for your buyer's sake, for the listing agent's sake, please do not send any sort of contract over until you have verified that one, it is approved, like that they can go that way and talk to your lender as well. Because it, it's a big deal. You don't want to get your buyer excited about something that they cannot purchase. Yeah, yeah I, I will tell you. In new litigation. If they have any kind of litigation whatsoever. Oh, right. Forget it. Yep. And, and, and it's usually someone who lives there or the, or the HOA association that's filing the litigation. Yes, yep. exactly. And, or and the, the contractor who, you know, takes care of all the trees and stuff and never got paid. Hey, um, the other thing is too, um, Frank, talk about investments, like the, the, the investor percentage at a condo, because that comes into play. And especially, especially with a smaller condo, um, 
I sold something in March of 2020 to one of Kylie's friends. And man, we were right there with the limit of how many um, condos were owned by one person and were, you know, investments. So could you speak to that a little bit too? So I I don't know if there have been any changes recently. Um, We have a condo department that I usually defer to. So what I would say is with regards to condos, uh, number one, definitely rec leases, unfortunately, we do not do. Um, So like Century Village, I know there's a rec lease in there. Uh, We would not be able to um, do any kind of financing in Century Village. Um, In in terms of investor concentration, right? If it's more than 50% and we've got to go full review, uh, potentially that could be a challenge. Um, If it's a limited review, which is a higher down payment, right? Lower loan to value. Um, the investor concentration would not really come into consideration. Um, if one uh, entity or one corporation owns more than 10% of the units, that potentially could be a challenge. Uh, I think Eric is asking, what is the down payment on a limited? Uh, primary home, primary home 25, uh, second or investment uh, 30% down. So just something to keep in mind. I would that say very, that is actually so important for people that are in areas where there are um, a lot of second homes, investment homes, um, Sunbelt states, and etc. Because that's a big deal. And I'm telling you, this one entity thing is a big deal. And we literally went through. I went through the property tax rule before we even did the um, the offer because there was this one guy. And there was only like 40 units and he had like three of them. Yep. Yep. I, I would say, I, I can't see that, that whole comment from Eric, but I would say if you have a buyer who is specifically looking for a condo, right? We, we've got to, I know it's challenging, but, but you'd almost want, number one, they definitely should get pre-approved first, right? We want to see what kind of credit score we're working with, what kind of loan to value, how much money they're putting down, right? Uh, the other challenge is, Will the HOA even approve them if they don't have a specific credit score and aren't putting a specific amount of money down? Mm. I had one recently. I I can't believe it. They denied a veteran. And the guy had a 643 or 647 credit score, um, wasn't putting any money down, but had plenty of room on his debt ratio. I mean, he was, he had, he made more than enough money to qualify for this particular condo, but in their bylaws, they would not allow him because of the credit score. I was blown away. (laughs) I said a lot of mean things too, to myself about this particular association. Well, that's the other thing is these associations, not all of them require a credit score, but it's like, it's, it's insane. Terry, did you have another question? You're, you're muted. There you go. Um, I was just going to talk to you a minute about the insurance thing, just because um, I know what happened in California because of all the fires. And, um, you know, flat out, it was one of the main reasons we moved because our insurance, um, the, the insurance company sent us a letter one day and just said, by the way, uh, we're no longer insuring, insuring properties in California. And that left everybody because it, it was, I think it was State Farm even, but it left everybody panicking, 
And then a whole bunch of other insurance companies did the exact same thing. And um, it left everybody uh, panicking because they couldn't find insurance and they had a mortgage. So you have to be insured. And we ended up having to go to a private insurer. And we also ended up having to go on what we all refer to as the state unfair plan. It was supposed to be the state fair plan. Our insurance went from 3,200 a year to over 13,000 in a matter of a month. And we had to have a, a separate policy for the dogs, a separate policy for the barn, a separate policy for the guest house, a separate policy for the vineyard, a separate policy for the vehicles. So really the, you had to find somebody who traded in a whole bunch of different people and they just put it out across the United States and said, you know, hey, I've got somebody who has this. Will you insure it? And someone who has this, will you insure it? And it no longer was feasible to stay. It made no sense whatsoever to stay and, and pay that kind of money. Uh, and we backed up to the Cleveland National Forest. So the chances of us having a fire in, in the next few years is very high. So um, I, I think that it did become a problem for first time home buyers. And as soon as we went under contract, we were telling them, call your insurance company right now. Oh, I've had them for years. Call them <laughs> right now. So, um, you know, there was no more waiting until the week before closing to get your insurance. Yeah, this is something everybody should be doing during the due diligence period, no matter where you are, is shopping insurance quotes. Because I'm telling you, and I'm going to tell every buyer's agent that I'm going to literally, I think I'm going to put in broker notes, honestly, um, make sure you include shopping or due diligence on, on insurance quotes, because I'm, I've had some pushback and I'm like, yeah, but the due diligence period is over. Cash deal. Sorry. Yep. Any other questions, guys? We only have a few minutes left. And if not, that's fine. We've, we've gone through a lot today. Um, and, and Michelle, listen, like I said, if anyone has any questions, they have my number. If you want to put it in the chat board again, they can call me, text me anytime. Um, there, there's always going to be, you know, some agents sometimes say, oh, you know, I don't want to bother you. I, I thought this was a silly question. There's never a silly question. Um, the buy down can become a little confusing when you're finally ready to, you know, you have a buyer and they're ready to make the offer and you're like, okay, well now what did Frank say? I don't remember what he said, you know, get me involved, right? Um, get me involved. Let me at least walk you through, let, you know, kind of go through the numbers with you because we have to calculate the cost of that buy down. Because remember when the agent makes the offer, they have to make it um, factoring in what the cost of that buy down is because the buyer cannot pay that. Very important. The seller has to pay that. Even if the buyer says, Michelle, I've got 30 grand here. I'm going to buy my rate down. Don't worry about it. it it's, it's, there's some sort of calculation that does not allow them to actually pay that buy down cost. So the seller is the one that has to, uh, has to pay that. Okay. Well, I think we'll, we'll leave on that note. Thanks, everybody. We meet every Monday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, it is streamed into our Facebook group, No Agent Left Behind uh, Real Estate Reinvention Group. So please feel free to jump in, uh, request to join the group, invite your real estate friends to join it uh, twice a month. 
We have guests twice a month. We just do a round robin talking about the market, bringing, bringing information to each other, collaboration over competition. That's what we're all about here. And if you have any suggestions on topics that you'd like us to talk about, just DM us in the group or you can DM Eric or I, you know, separately. Frank Cristiano, thank you so much from Cross Country Mortgage. You are always uh, just a wealth of information and, um, you know, keeping us on top of what's going on in the mortgage industry, um, especially during these interesting times. So I hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next week on The Mastermind. Thank you, Michelle. You're the best. Take care. Bye, guys. Hey everyone, wanted to jump in real quick because I have had so many agents ask me about my move to Real Broker that I would love to share that with you. If you are nervous about breaking up with your broker, you wanna rip that Band-Aid off, but you haven't done it yet, and you are thinking it is time for me to make a move to a brokerage that embraces culture, collaboration, and a variety of ways to earn income other than trading your time for a paycheck, I'd love to chat with you. Send me a DM, set up a Calendly link, and let's chat about your next move in real estate. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me today on In the Hive with Michelle B. I hope you got a lot of good strategies and tips from today's episode. Make sure to buzz by sipsocialcell.com. I have a blog there. The podcast is there. I have some really great freebies there that you can grab. And if you have any questions about today's episode, feel free to DM me at the Michelle B on Instagram. You can also follow me on TikTok at the Michelle B. And If you are thinking that you want to raise the bar and build your listing pipeline with untapped listing niches, I have some really great courses that you can take. They are on sipsocialcell.com or feel free to reach out to me and I would be happy to share that information with you or go to my Instagram and just click on the link in my bio and I have tons of resources there for you. I hope you have a really great, amazing day and I will see you next week in the hive.